Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of In Depth with Beth and Seth, the podcast from Plymouth Congregational Church in Minneapolis. My name is Seth Patterson, and I am your minister for spiritual formation and theater. And I am so happy to be here and happy even more so to be here with my friend and colleague, Beth Hoffman Faith. How are you, Beth? Oh, hello, Seth. Hello, everyone. I am well today. I am doing well. You got yourself a a COVID vaccine, I hear. I did this morning. Got my first dose um, at a health partner's clinic in Woodbury. They were incredibly uh, organized and efficient and accommodated my slight tardiness with I received a whole lot of grace. And now I'm just paying a lot of attention to my left shoulder. That, that's the most exciting shoulder, I think. <laughs> so far, so good. So I'm just <laughs> grateful that uh, I I guess sometimes, you know, having a health condition can serve you well. So I, I magically made the new category with uh, when they lowered the age and included pre-existing conditions. So you didn't get it because you're over 70? I did not. Oh, okay. I got it because I'm 45. Oh, <laughs> I'm older than 45. I wish I was 45. And I'm diabetic. So ah, hilarious. Today we are talking about a sermon preached on Sunday, March 21st by our colleague, Dwayne Davis. It is called New, Not Revoked. And it is on the, uh, from Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. And this is uh, over Lent. We have been talking about covenant uh, from the Hebrew Bible and This is, because next week is Palm Sunday, this is our last time uh, sitting in the Old Testament, in what is often called the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Bible, or the First Covenant, First Testament, for a little while. So, we have a lot to talk about, and there's never enough time. We had talked as we were preparing for this, you and I, and both of us remarked that a part of this that we both found resonance in is this concept of loss, and that when there is change, there's loss. Well, right. And certainly as we've lived through this year of pandemic, people have been naming losses left and right. You know, the loss of being able to be with family, the overwhelming, all-consuming loss of a death of someone we love to COVID, um, dealing with our own movement through the virus if we've contracted it, loss of activity and recreation and loss, 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 loss. And I think it's important to acknowledge, I think loss can make us nostalgic. And Mm -hmm. we we begin to create a a bit of a utopic understanding of the past. And I thought that Duane named that in ways outside of the pandemic within the sermon, for sure. That anytime we experience a, a systemic shift and it an expansion or inclusion of people who are welcome, uh, a change in societal status, people get nervous around that doesn't feel the way it always felt to them. And there's a lot of grief and sometimes grief causes us to get stuck. And so we become Mm. wistful for what was making it out to be something it wasn't. And we were not sure how to look into the future. Yeah. And grief can also make us angry and then and we have seen this in our own time uh, where changes or perceived changes and loss create an anger amongst some people. Whereas 
it not changing also can create anger. Absolutely. And if we think that something's being taken from us, a right, a privilege, a status, a way that, of life, right? If suddenly we have to share what we didn't have to share before, then, you know, we have seen how people get angry and retaliate. Yeah. And Dwayne, I think is, is trying to lift up that the people, you know, they were feeling pretty complacent in their status as God's chosen. And this covenant in this particular chapter of Jeremiah is about something new, something different. Something new. That sounds scary. I want nothing to do with this. But it will require a giving up of what was. Yeah. And this, the idea of loss, I think, I mean, all people lose. Anytime there is change in our lives, either individually or collectively, there is loss. There can be no such thing as change without some sort of loss. And it might be loss that we are excited to lose or willing to lose, but it is always ever present. But like you said, initially, it has become starkly so in the last year, what loss, what change creates in loss and how it, it, it is not evenly divided, that we do not all collectively share the same loss when there is a change for all of us. Right. Then we become sort of polarized in loss uh, because people who are or wanting and working for additional systemic change are in conflict seemingly with people who are again, grieving what was angry at whatever change is happening. And we have seen those tensions imploding all over the place. Yeah. I, I don't remember how the conversation went exactly, but I was in a space where um, somebody was talking about how this new uh, awakening, racial justice awakening in the United States at this moment in time following the murder of George Floyd. And and they commented, but only certain people are recognizing it. And somebody else came back and said, no, all people are feeling it. It's just how they're reacting to it is that's different. Mm. Some people are saying, whoa, okay, I need to do something about this. And some are saying, oh, I don't like this. I'm going to pretend it's not true. But it, it's not the change in the awakening is, was the argument was that it was for everybody, but it's how we react. So if change is inevitable and with any change comes loss, so loss therefore is inevitable, what do we do about that? And, and this is for me where, where I found the most energy out of the sermon by Duane is that the promise is that there is a future, not that the change, even though the future might not look like the past, but it will be something that there is a future and that God is still there and loving us in that future, no matter what the change and what the loss might be. And that is a new promise, a new covenant that we find in the Hebrew Bible that God says, things are changing and there's gonna be a lot of loss, but I'm still with you on the other side. And I promise you there is a future. I have a prayer mantra that I have said to myself sometimes a hundred times a day for the last 20 years, which is I do not know what the future holds, but I know God holds the future. And to me, mm. that is the message in this covenant. We, we have no idea what is to come. No one was predicting this year of pandemic. No one, well, that's not true. I'm sure lots of people who have been walking the racial justice walk knew that things oh, yeah. would, would come to a tipping point. But I don't think those of us who lived in this community were quite aware of what George Floyd's death would mean for us as we move through this work and continue to move through this time. We don't know what the future holds, but to trust that, you know, God promises us 
newness, possibility, hope. Boy, as a person of faith, I rest my soul in that, that promise. Duane says it begins by trusting that God is faithful and remains the author of newness in the midst of loss. There is a future, period. And it's that four-word sentence, there is a future. And part of this, I think part of the reason it resonated so much with me is I've been thinking a lot about the stories that we tell as a society, and I'm concerned by our general movement towards when we tell stories of the future that they're all dystopian. And I understand the fun of that. I understand that it's that there's an appeal to that. But my concern is that often the stories we tell today are the future that we live into tomorrow. And if we only tell stories of collapse and that there is no future, then that is what we will create. And so what I love about this is the promise that God is saying there is a future. It might not look the same as our past, but it doesn't mean that it's over. And how do we tell that story? How do we tell the story of a future that is hopeful? And that's the, that's the work that through Theater 45 Degrees at Plymouth, that is what we're going to be doing is how do we tell the stories of a hoped for future? Well, I think, you know, what, what you say is, is absolutely true. And it, it leads me to the question of like, how do, how do we get there? I mean, yeah. these are, <laughs> these are God's words blessed upon us, uh, necessary for this time, even though this is an ancient covenant meant to, I think, motivate us and move us and uh, create in us a hope uh, that perhaps because of the woes of the world has become a bit lax. And so what happens next? How do we continue to live in that hope? Um, how do we bring people who are stuck in the loss and the nostalgia for something that is no, no more with us into a holds the future, but I get a little restless and am impatient for it to happen. So how does it happen, Seth? How does it happen? Well, good thing you asked, because I have all of the answers about the future. <laughs> I know everything that's about to come. Yeah, that, that question of how, I think, is the question of any sermon. How? Okay, great. How? Or mm. why? But mostly how. I hear this in some ways as being anxiety-reducing as opposed to prescriptive. Like, don't worry. I will be here. So it, it comes back to the quote that I used that we talked about last week. The times are urgent. We must slow down. Mm. And we can slow down because we have this promise that God will be with us in the future, in the newness, after the loss, God will still be there. And we don't need to be impatient and be afraid and anxious and react. We can be thoughtful because the promise is a hopeful one. That, that's we, what it sits with me. And we can't, we can't become complacent. I mean, I, I do. I love that thought about slowing down, but that doesn't mean stop or become no. inert mm. or to ignore. Or ignoring. No. Right. We have to keep working. We have to keep expanding God's welcome. We have to continue to make this covenant be real and alive. And we do not do this work alone. Right. Which is also to me a sign of hope and promise and future. I also hear in this a call for imagination. And that's something that has been subtext in things I've said, and I feel like you as well as this need for us to expand our imagination, that just because we can't see it doesn't mean we can't create it. Mm -hmm. And part of the loss of what is known 
it, it feels much harder when we can't imagine anything else. And so we need to have this renewed sense of imagination of what we can move into the future with so that there's something to hold on to when there's the loss. And then an imagination for me, that is where God lives. God is in the imagination, in that thing that is bigger than ourselves. And so how do we hold hold on, how do we create an imaginative set of wonderment and awe and curiosity about the future so that we can meet God in that future without holding on so tightly to the thing that we, that we know now. Mm. A story that I've told before is at the Adler Planetarium in Chicago. There's a huge wall at the end of this large exhibit about the Big Bang, uh, which was first theorized by a Jesuit priest, by the way, the Big Bang was so It is not antithetical to Christianity. But at the end of it was this big thing that said, okay, so if all of these things happened, what what comes next? And there were three options. It was either the universe continues to expand and rips apart. It continues to expand and snaps back or continues to expand, slows down and freezes. And then at the bottom of this big wall, there's an asterisk that said, unless our very understanding of gravity is wrong. Mm. And and what that says to me is that we need to have an imagination beyond what we see now in order to understand what could be. Like our imagination has to be bigger than gravity. And being cautious to get mired down in absolutes, right? Yeah. To allow ourselves, you know, you said some really important words, wonder and awe, imagination. We have to let go of some things if we're going to be able to rest there. If we can imagine beyond gravity, then we might experience some movement. Right. How do we continually push each other to do this together and hold each other up when awe can be frightening? I think one way is to continue to remind one another and lift up the covenant of God, the promises of God, that God is with us in this. And as a community of faith at Plymouth Church, we need to continue to speak that, name it, recognize it when it happens encourage one another on our way. Amen. Way to tie that one up. (laughs) Amen. Thank you all for joining us again for this week's In Depth with Beth and Seth. Thank you, Duane, for preaching a sermon worth talking about. Thank you, Beth, for talking to me about it. Always a pleasure, Seth. Be well, everyone. 